Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We got somebody in the game that has been doing it for a very long time. Started at 18, but really playing around with the idea of real estate since 15 and has been a huge leader you know, nationwide of showing people the techniques, uh, the strategy behind turnkey investments with just what they're doing in in the space. It's been incredible. So really excited to be able to get down to the nitty gritty of the market, what turnkey investments are and why it could be beneficial to you, as well as really just getting the the deeper pulse on, you know, what's going on in today's world of real estate. So without further ado, Marco, what is going on? How are you today? Brandon, it's good to be on your show. I'm crazy busy. There's so much going on, all good stuff. So I'm excited. Good, man. Good. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to you know pour in with us. For anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, where you're from, or you know, could you just give that 10,000 foot view for the listeners? Yeah, definitely. Well, I like to refer to myself as a serial entrepreneur. I've been heavily invested in real estate since the age of 18. And, um, you know, I love what I do and I've, I've just turned that into a business model. Essentially, we help, uh, as far as my one of my companies, we help real estate investors grow their portfolios with turnkey rental properties around the country. You know, we operate in 25 different markets and provide them the properties and the financing and the property management and literally everything else they could possibly need to, you know, make the right decisions with income producing real estate, like residential real estate property. You know, I started this business 20 years ago. It's uh, essentially a free service because we don't charge anything. But, you know, me personally, I've been investing in real estate for a long, long time, bought my first rental property at the age of 18. And, you know, it just continued to grow and scale what I was doing. And I've pretty much touched it all from, you know, apartments to fixing and flipping. But my favorite is buy and hold. You know, there's nothing better than, you know, investing in the most historically proven asset class, which is real estate, you know, acquiring it letting it you know, build your net worth, increasing your cash flow and passive income, taking the tax benefits. I mean, if your audience has been listening to you for any length of time, I'm sure they get it. You know, Otherwise, yeah. they certainly wouldn't be listening any further. But, but yeah, real estate is just an exciting place to be and it has been for a long, long time. Yeah. No, it's incredible what real estate can do for you, for your family, for your finances, for your future. I mean, there's so many good F words that we could use with this that could really set you up with a better future. So how many rental properties do you have and hold at this moment? So it's over a hundred. I did get rid of uh, a portfolio of them, blocks of them back in 2008, You know when the housing market kind of took a, a bit of a beating or a heavy beating. But I've been d- diversifying into other asset classes. So I, I started off going all in with real estate, and then I just started to divest into diversifying my portfolio. So now I'm involved in everything from you know, cannabis to crypto to businesses to Broadway musicals and other productions. It, it very, very wide, almost an eclectic mix of assets. But real estate is still my favorite because it's so what I'll call multidimensional. It basically provides the income, the equity growth, the fact that you could leverage five to one on your investment dollar 
you've got the tax benefits and now with you know cost segregation you could you know save even more on your yeah. taxes at least you know defer that and so there's a lot of benefits to real estate and what a lot of people do i mean you know i'm a serial entrepreneur i run multiple businesses even a private equity firm you know if you're building capital in the businesses and ventures that you do and you've got profits that are being generated you have to do something with it so you yeah. either reinvest it to grow your businesses or and or you buy more assets to hold it preserve that protect it against inflation but you know continue to grow that over time and real estate is the, the go-to for anybody for everybody you know whether it's ca- commercial or residential but if you look at successful people that are running businesses and generating profit they're always taking profit and putting it into real estate to hold it because it's well protected there and real estate is a natural hedge against inflation so you know that that's really what they want to do is they make their profit and then protect a lot of it in in real estate which is a great asset class yeah i mean at the end of the day the rules and regulations that were really started for real estate is really for the rich however with all the the tax benefits. If you're making money, you need real estate to really have that shelter and then the appreciation and what it can do for you in the long run, right? The good news is that it can be for the poor as well. It can be for the person just get started. We all start somewhere, right? And anybody has the capacity and the um, as long as you get the know-how and then just start implementing it and participating, um, you can start building up a great portfolio over time. And that's what you guys really do specialize in with helping you know, the person that doesn't want to go through all the headaches of the find the property, fund it, you know, get the renovation done, rent out the property and uh, put a good management team in place. Before we actually dive into that, I do, you know, you, you talked about um, exiting a bunch of properties in 08. Because of the times we are in right now, recession and the market, there's a lot of, there's a fear index here that I want to go over. Um, how was 08 for you? And, you know, how bad is it? How, like, what should the listeners really focus on for this go around? Well, we can take that question in so many different directions. It's yeah. like I'm going to just put my hand in the hat and pull out something here. If you look at what investors did, and I say investors with air quotes, if you look at what investors did from 2003 to 2006, when everybody thought they were a real estate investor and were you know, investing and buying whatever they could. Everybody's getting a property, right? Anybody and everybody. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it was very easy because credit was so cheap and easy to acquire. So back then, you know, the running joke was if you could fog up a mirror, you can qualify for a mortgage. Yeah. And a lot of the mortgages were even dubbed ninja loans, meaning, you know, the acronym, no income, no assets, no job, a ninja loan, you know, well beyond stated income loans. And so the fact that you could have a 620 credit score and qualify for financing allowed a lot of people to basically buy real estate that shouldn't have been buying real estate because number one, they couldn't really qualify you know, yeah. in, in real terms. But second, it, what it did is it created a whole bunch of speculators. And that's why I said they were investors in air quotes because these, these people weren't actually investing, they were speculating. Everybody was on the equity train and they thought that real estate was gonna continue to go up forever. And granted, there were people who made you know a lot of money. I know people who made millions and millions of dollars back then in real estate, and and you know created a family fortune, you know something a generational wealth. But sadly, a lot of people were speculators, and they thought that the way to riches was just you know 
gain whatever they could with the equity gains. But the problem with that is it's not a realized gain. It's on paper. You look rich on paper, but in actuality, you know, it can come and it can go. And that's what it did for a lot of people. It disappeared very quickly when the market turned in 2006. And then we got into a crash in 2007. But the reason they were speculating is because they were only focused on capital gains, like the equity gains. They didn't stop to think that the property needed to generate positive cash flow in order for it to carry itself. If they were actually investing, they were buying for cash flow and equity. And the cash flow would have carried that property. I call it glue. If you have positive cash flow on your properties, you have glue that keeps your deals together and they weather through the good times and bad, you'll always come out the other end because the property is carrying itself. You're not having to feed it every month with negative cash flow in order to keep it and go into foreclosure. But that's what happened to millions of people. They were speculators. It's different now. And it has been because now it's harder to qualify for financing. The average credit score for most mortgage financing today for investors is 720 and up. And so that means they're well-qualified people. They're people who can actually qualify for it. And they're also not, there, there are very few speculators right now. People who are actually buying investment property for the most part have properties that carry themselves, whether it's a break-even cash flow or a positive cash flow. That's a major difference between today and back then. You know, there's other reasons too. I mean, we can go in all kinds of directions here, but we're in a different time. Like what we're seeing right now is different than what we what we were experiencing back then. Credit is not as easily attainable. And so we don't have as many speculators. Anyway, I'll pause there because I'm sure you have comment or question. <laughs> no, that's good. So talk to me personally for you for 2008. How was that? What did that look like? What could the listeners or myself actually learn from um, you know, anything that you've gone through. Wow. So 2008, you know, everybody had to tighten up, buckle up. If you had properties that were going to cost you every month, you had to get rid of them as quickly yeah. as you could and hopefully not at a loss. And, you know, that was the case uh, case for me. I, I wanted to get rid of my speculative properties and keep the ones that would just carry themselves. Today, you know, I do focus on properties that have the potential for higher gains because they're in growth markets. You know, I still have a focus on high growth potential, but I realize that the property needs to be cash flow positive. It needs to carry itself. I want that glue that holds the deal together. And so that's my strategy. And, you know, if you talk about, you know, rules for successful real estate investing, that's definitely one of them is don't speculate. Don't be a gambler uh, sure. because that's what a lot of people did. Two, definitely focus on cash flow, have that cash flow. And, and even if you don't have it in you know the first year, but you know you, it's a property that will be cash flow positive in the next two years, that might be a, you know a calculated risk, uh, especially if you're in a high growth market like you know the southeast uh, in Florida, particularly, where you have strong population growth. That will pay for itself. You, you will do very well in the years to come, but that's a long-term play, not a short-term play. You're being sure. far-sighted, not near-sighted. I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, actually, but... Oh, no, it's good. It's something that I think a lot of investors need to be aware of, that appreciation is amazing, right? We all should look for the locations that have the job growth, population growth, something unique about it that's going to have a good, strong projection uh, moving forward. I was talking to a seller the other day and he was telling me about Zillow and what Zillow is 
proclaiming and projecting for the next year and, you know, another eight, 10 percent. And I'm like, that's all amazing. Right. That's great. That should be icing on the cake, not the foundation of what I'm actually buying on. I needed to cash flow day one. And that is something that's important for, a, you know, real estate investors or somebody looking to get started right now. Like definitely focus on that. There's always whatever market that we're in, there's great opportunities every single day. And it just takes place by making sure that you're getting that cash flow up front so that you're not having any struggles down the road when times do get tough, like you mentioned. You can weather the storm up or down. Yeah. You know, real estate is amazing. It's amazing asset class because it's it's very forgiving. You can make some mistakes and, yeah. and time, for, it will forgive itself. As long as you're not yep. buying war zones or D-class neighborhoods, Sure, for, for the most part, you're going to do well over time. We as a company and me personally focus on what I'll call B plus and A minus neighborhoods. The majority of our inventory that our investors purchase through us, I mean, it's all over the board from a price perspective. It can be from 100,000 on the low end to, you know, 300,000 on the high end for a single family detached home. But they're typically in B and A class neighborhoods. We don't do a lot in the C class neighborhoods. So from that perspective, it's very forgiving. But real estate as an investment, you will gain through appreciation over time because real estate is a natural hedge against inflation. It's sticks, bricks, copper, and concrete all packaged together and it's put on a piece of land and that's what you're buying. And so because it's built or made up of commodities on top of land that also adjusts for inflation over time, you're going to have the natural effects of inflation protection, which is your appreciation. If you're in a high growth location, the supply and demand dynamics will add to that inflation. So you'll get price appreciation in addition to just, you know, appreciation from inflation. And those two things can make you very rich, you know, over a relatively short period of time, you know, three, five, seven, 10 years. But, you know, your true gains in your wealth come from the equity growth in the property through both appreciation and then the amortization of the loan, assuming you financed it, which is what most real estate investors do. Yeah. So when you think about that, you know, it's going to create wealth. The cash flow from the property won't make you rich. It won't. It won't. You know, make you wealthy unless you have a very large portfolio and you're banking yeah. it over a period of time. But in time, when you grow your portfolio and you have enough properties, that cash flow from the properties will create financial freedom for you. You'll become financially independent. You'll have that financial freedom, which ultimately leads to time freedom. So you'll get that as you build your portfolio. But by and of itself, the cash flow won't make you rich. It's the combination of that and the equity gains. That's really good. You know, I feel like people want to get like overnight success over, you know, overnight rich, and you're not going to get it with the cash flow, right? The appreciation down the road will, and that just comes down to you holding it. If you can hold the property for five, 10 plus years, whether the storm in any situation, if you're in a high growth area, you're going to double, triple that investment, which is that's where the generational wealth will come in for the cash flow purposes, you know, the day to day living type of expenses or, you know, if you're trading your time right now for a W-2 and you know you make 10K a month or whatever, if you can start offsetting that by the rental income, then you can start buying back your freedom, right? And then have the availability to do what you like, which I love that. I know it's so simple, but it's important to, to just state these things. It's good. Yeah. And so, you know, if you look at real estate and you look at it in terms of rates of return, 
you know, the, the cash flow from the property will give you a cash on cash return. You know, it's whatever it is, year one, it's, it's an immediate return if you have positive cash flow. And that over time will increase because your rents will increase over time. And if, if your expenses don't change all that much, which they will, they'll usually keep pace with, you know, the rate of inflation and how much you raise your rents because you're going to raise your rents over time anyway. But if your debt service is fixed, which it usually is because you're you should be locking into like a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, those payments don't change. So you will see your net cash flows increase over time because your rents will increase. And even though your expenses are increasing, your debt service won't. And so your cash flows will increase over time. And then the more properties you have, the more passive income you'll have. So you will get to a point where you have passive income that provides you that financial independence. But that rate of return on your cash flow is what we'll call cash on cash return. You have two other sources of returns, you know, that will come into play here. As your equity increases, your net worth will increase, and that's a particular gain. So if you're comparing your down payment that you use to buy that property on day one, and you look at the equity gains each and every year, you will see that you have a certain rate of return on that as well. It's not a realized return. It's not money in your pocket, at least not yet, unless you refinance your property and pull it out, you know, or you tap into it in one way or another. Uh, like a, a HELOC, a home equity But your rate of return will be three times or more from the equity gains in the property than the cash flow from the property. So it'll be three times, four times, five times as much. But then there's also a third less talked about form of return, if you will, and that's with the mortgage. So as you have a mortgage and amortize that mortgage or that loan on the property, what's happening is one of two things. If you look at how much you're paying off on that mortgage each and every year over the course of 30 years, as you amortize that loan, and really yep. you're not paying for it, your tenant's paying for it, you know? Yep. So and it's paying off buying the house for you. Yep. But if you look at how much your return is, it works out to be 6.6% per year over that 30 year term. Now that's not adjusted for inflation, of course, you know, it, it obviously it'll diminish and change as time goes on. But if you just do a straight calculation, you're actually making a 6.6 rate of return per year, every year from the amortization of that loan over that 30 years. And so you don't have to do anything to get that rate of return because yeah. the gain from the amortization of the loan alone is 6.6% as a return. And here's the, another one uh, related, but interestingly interesting as well. If you factor in inflation on that mortgage, you have an amazing rate of return there as well, because if you have a fixed payment every month, that let's say it's a $500 payment, monthly mortgage payment right now. In 10 years from now, you know property values are going to be much higher. Mortgages are going to be much higher. But if you look back at that $500 payment, it's going to look like you're buying a cup of coffee at Starbucks. It's going to look, relatively speaking, that much smaller. Oh, yeah. It doesn't go up. It doesn't adjust for inflation each and every year. So 30 years from now, you're still paying $500, you know, which is incredible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so the mortgages, when you lock in with a fixed rate, they don't adjust for inflation. They, they continue to amortize, but you're paying it off with cheaper and cheaper dollars because, you know, you're paying it off with inflated dollars. And so, you know, people don't really consider, stop to consider that, that that mortgage is disappearing or being eroded away each and every year because an inflation is making the value of that mortgage worth less. And you're still paying it off with the same amount of dollars, inflated dollars in the future. 
Yeah. With your tenants, you know, they're paying it for you, which is great. So multiple right. ways here um, that you're capitalizing and making money. Talk to us about Turnkey. What is it first off, if any listeners are, you know, potentially tuning in and, and they've never heard of that before? And then what does the process look like within your guys' company? I assume you guys are doing kind of like the Burr strategy method of buying something distressed and do the renovation or, you know, clarify that, I guess. Yeah. Well, you've got a lot of questions in there. So let me break it yeah, down. Yeah. One at a time. <laughs> so unfortunately, the word turnkey has been kicked around a lot by different people and, and it means different things to different people. Like when I started our company, Norada Real Estate Investments, about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago, I marketed the bejesus out of the word turnkey, you know, turnkey yeah. real estate, turnkey real estate investing. And, and sadly, everybody's adopted that term and turned it into a different definition. So for us, a turnkey rental property is a property that is new or like new in a good market, in a good neighborhood, no deferred maintenance, of course, because it's it's turnkey, professionally managed, although you can manage it yourself, and cash flow positive. So if you've got that, you've got a formula for success. So that's that's what a turnkey rental property is adding one more layer to the onion, a turnkey real estate investing is the the, the experience you have, uh, the process. And that's, you know, that's all the value and value add we provide. So it's not just that turnkey property, but it's the financing, the counseling, the education, the property management and everything wrapped around it that our clients experience when they're working with us to buy those turnkey rental properties. So that's the business model I created 20 years ago but a turnkey property is basically everything I just described. It's not a distressed asset. It's not in a war zone. It's not something that's cash flow negative. It's something that you want to own, will add value to your portfolio and help make you money over time. Yeah. Now, this is for the real estate investor that wants to be passive, but still get their hands a little bit involved, right? That wants to have a little bit of control, but not find the the property, find the property management, find the tenant, handle that stuff. They'll still get the education from you guys, but they can basically finance the property, get in there, still cash flow day one, and be something that they can be relatively hands-off from a distance. Yeah. In a way, you can think of it this way. It's it's not done for you. It's done sure. with you. So we've done 80% of the work and 80% of the due diligence and 80% of pretty much everything. You still need to be involved more so in the beginning, just through the, you know, yeah. the, the conversation, the acquisition and closing process. But once, once you've closed escrow and you own that property and it's part of your existing portfolio, you can rinse and repeat and do it again and do it again and do it again and just continue to grow your portfolio as fast as you can based on you know the amount of investment capital you have to invest. But you know we're here to figuratively hold your hand, answer questions, educate you, and then you know help put you in the right markets, the right neighborhoods with the right properties, which is all you know in the pipeline. You know, and all at no cost. I mean, we don't charge a fee for any of that. It's just, you know, a highly valuable, no cost service that we've been providing for 20 years. And, you know, we buy our own properties. I mean, you know, you know we have a pipeline of hundreds of properties at any given time. You know, we're, we're all investors, my whole team. And so we're investing ourselves, but, you know, we can't buy everything. It's just, you yeah. know, it's just how our business model is built. But yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you're investing in the right markets and then in the right neighborhoods, you've mitigated a lot of your risk. And now it's just making sure you have the right property in those neighborhoods in the right markets, along with the right team member, members around you. 
So is it completely hands-off? No. Is it very close to? Yes. I like to say that you should be involved in two areas. One is working with your property managers because they'll have questions for you or need you know approvals on things from time to time, but you let them do their work as a full service property manager. And two, you know, you just review your financials every month or every quarter. If you have a bookkeeper, they're you know they're handling you know your spreadsheet or your QuickBooks. But you know, you should be involved in knowing what the numbers are. You know what what your rents are coming in, your expenses, seeing what your bottom line is, and just making tweaks or reevaluating. You know, once a year, if you need to rebalance your portfolio, meaning you know maybe you want to divest out of one market and move into another market and you do a 1031 exchange, a tax deferred exchange. I mean, you don't do that very often. It's just a matter of, mm-hmm. you know, whether you need to pull equity out of a particular property and move it to a better opportunity elsewhere. You don't do that very often, but you know, th- these are the types of decisions you make. They're high level. They're more strategic in nature. You're not rolling up your sleeves and getting involved day to day. And just to clarify, as far as like the investment to work with you guys, it's it would be nothing upfront, but it's more of just a they're paying a premium for the product that you guys no. are packaging together. No. no, there's no premium. The purchase price of that property is whatever the market value is or less. And, you know, because of the volume we do, you know, especially on the new construction side, the investors are are often purchasing at below the appraised value, so they're walking into equity right off the bat. So there's no markup and there's no premium you know, the property has to be appraised. And so, you know, if it's under contract, where do you guys actually get paid? It's a good question. It's very simple. So I set the company up long ago as a, as a real estate brokerage, we're a brokerage firm. And so our revenue, the, the only revenue that we generate is on the sales side of the transaction, just like any other traditional transaction. If you're a buyer in a transaction, 99 times out of 100, you're not paying the quote unquote commission on that transaction. It's the seller of the property that's, you know, selling the, you know, listing and selling the property. Or if it's in the case of a builder, you know, the builders just, you know, got that, you know, baked into the cake. You know, that's just how builders work. And so us set, being set up as a brokerage, we just get, you know, that, that marking fee or that compensation on the sales side as a brokerage. You being our client, our investor client and the buyer, you know, don't need to pay for that because, you know, just doesn't work that way. That's not how traditional sales work. So then you guys are making money off of just the transaction on the agent side. And then, so you guys are just buying properties that are listed on the market? Well, actually we, we don't buy them. You know, we have strategic relationships with our property providers, which are either new home builders or they are, you can call them flippers if you want, but property providers that are buying, fixing, and providing us that inventory of the properties that they've newly renovated in particular markets and neighborhoods. So, and these are people that we've had relationships for years, if not a decade or more. And sure. so they know what we want. They they know what our clients want. And so they provide us that inventory that that makes for good residential investment property or rental property. And so we take that and we put that in front of our investor clients once we get to know them and we know what they're looking for. You know, are they looking for a cash flow market? They're looking for a growth market. You know, are they looking for this particular type of property? Is it new construction? Is it newly refurbished? You know, we just know what to put in front of them based on what their needs are, what their criteria is. But the reason there's no fee to, you know, to, to your question is because 
we don't need to charge them anything. We can provide tons of value in education and counseling and help them to be successful because we use our own model, something that's worked for me many, many years ago, being an out-of-state investor in California, you know, investing in Florida, Georgia, Michigan, and just building that out on scale so we can help other investors. And um, makes sense. Like said, our only compensation is, you know, on the, on the seller side of, of the transaction. So you guys aren't you guys aren't getting any other compensation anywhere else. It's just on the transaction, right? And I, I never did want to build the business that way. I don't because I don't. One of our rules is to be agnostic. We're agnostic across the board, and most more specifically, we're market agnostic. We're not married to any particular market, so it's not a function of the market. It's it's you as an investor and where you want to invest in that where where you can put your money to work and buy real estate and have it make the most amount of money for you, uh, or profit in any way you want to shape that over time. So you know we have a rule: you you need to be market agnostic to be a successful real estate investor because every real estate market is different. Every real estate market is local. There's no such thing as a national housing market, right? All real estate happens locally. What happens in San Diego, where you live, is certainly different than what's happening in Memphis, Tennessee, which is different than what's happening in, let's say, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio. And so you have to invest knowing that you need to be focused on markets individually because they're all doing different things at different times. Yeah. And so we're, we're also agnostic when it comes to providers, whether it's property managers or lenders. We work with all of them. We put them in, you, we put you in touch with them because we work with them. Yeah. So, so, so you're not putting any outside of the transaction, you guys aren't putting any time or energy into, you're just making the connection for the individual like myself. If I wanted to come to you guys, you, you would help me find the low, you know, find the deal. Depends on what I want, cash flow or appreciation. And you would give me some options of, you know, through some investors that are flipping it and, you know, connections that you guys already have or on the market. And then basically just put the people in contact to finalize the transactions, right? Well, Make you're, it you're turnkey. Right. You're right. But it's actually a little bit more than that. We do stay involved. We're heavily involved with you, like holding your hand in the beginning, like right through to the end of the transaction, like when you close escrow and then a little bit more thereafter. But as time goes on, we don't need to be involved. So we kind of fade into the background. Gotcha. But we are heavily involved. Like we are your primary point of contact. And even though we introduce you to our builders and our lenders and our mortgage companies and our property managers and and our asset protection attorneys and, and tax strategists and tax advisors and the title companies and all that stuff, we're connecting you and introducing you to that entire team. Sure. We're we're still involved because we are your primary point of contact. We're going to be your unbiased liaison, if you will. We're by your side and helping you make the best decisions and and have a successful transaction. We don't go away, but yes, yeah. introductions are made because these are our vetted providers of that provide you these services. Yeah. That makes sense. And I mean, you can't be giving out like too much time above and beyond of, you know, all the all the chaos if if it's just on the main transaction that you guys are cap, you know, making money off of. It would be nonsense. So that makes sense. What markets are you guys focusing on today? And is there any additional ones that you guys are considering in the near future with, you know, where things are at currently? Yeah, we're in about twenty-five different markets and okay. Well, they're all now, as of now, they're all on the eastern half of the United States. So flyover country and, you know, basically the south, 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 
east and many areas throughout the uh, northeast, like pockets. Yeah, it's, you know, it ranges from Texas to Florida all the way up to Pennsylvania, Kansas City, Indianapolis, Memphis, um, Birmingham, uh, um, Birmingham, Alabama, three, three cities in Alabama, uh, Baltimore, the metro area of Baltimore, not in the inner city, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Oh, man, the outskirts of the greater Chicago area. So it just depends on what the investor needs because some of these markets are more prone to appreciation potential. So you still get the cash flow, but it's not as sexy or as exciting up front. Lower cap rates, but stronger, longer term upside potential because of the growth in the market. Yeah. And this is why I keep saying you need to be market agnostic because depending on what you need or want will help determine what market you should look at. And once you've identified the market, this is our funnel approach. It's, it's called the top-down approach to real estate investing. It's one of our 10 rules. You start with the market, then work your way down to the sub-markets, neighborhoods, and then the property. A lot mm. of investors you know, just are so hyper-focused on finding the best deal, that real yeah. estate deal, that they don't realize that that property is married. It's attached to the neighborhood. You can't move it. You know, you're going to get what that neighborhood brings you, whether it be crime rate or, you know, lack of appreciation or lack of demand. So, you know, it all starts with the market and the market is driven by two main things. And this is, you know, how we underwrite markets and do our due diligence, but it comes down to two main things. We look at markets in terms of jobs and job growth. And secondly, population growth. Those are the key, the core elements in in a healthy, strong, and good potential market. Because if you're in a market like what you know Detroit has been for so long, where you know it's been losing population, I mean, just look. There's so many vacant homes, distressed homes, lack of appreciation to no appreciation, negative appreciation. You know, like I mean, it's a dichotomy when you look at you know markets in Florida versus you know a lot of the Rust Belt markets. You know, some of them are strong, vibrant, lots of jobs. People are moving in. They want to live there. You know, there's a lot of attention versus markets that, you know, are just struggling to get by. Mm. So, yeah, no, it's funny to see the certain, I think it's a lot of mindset, right? That comes down to, you know, the investor that starts looking at Detroit that it's been struggling for so long and, and they give the example of, well, it's starting to come back. And it's like the whole country has been coming back the last, you know, has been doing well and has been on the upward for how long now, you know, it still doesn't mean anything about the population, job growth, you know, like there, it's still a down market that is struggling. And it's one of those things that um, until certain things change, like job growth, population or, or something unique about the area. It wouldn't be, in my opinion, by all means, I know there's investors over there that are making money and, and doing swell. I personally, I like a little bit of appreciation and I'm sure you do too, right? Just just something to think about of like, when you get a portfolio over there, will you be able to sell it at the end of the day at, at like, you know, a, a click of a finger? Like, would that actually be the case or is it going to be something that could take a year or so? Like, that's some tough things and something you should consider. And just two seconds, a real quick comment on that. Yeah. I mean, this is why, you know, investing in the right areas and the right neighborhoods is so important because if if you don't have retail demand, like retail interest, you won't be able to sell that property. You won't be able to exit. You can't turn that property over. There's no retail demand in an area. This is why, you know, I'm not a fan of like D, D class neighborhoods and to a large degree C class neighborhoods is because 
the retail interest, you know, the, the, and the number of comps in those areas are very low to none. So yeah, don't, no. don't be mesmerized. Don't invest in real estate because it was cheap. You know, it was, it was low price because I could afford it. I had a down payment or the cash to buy a property, you know, a, a 50, 60, 70, $80,000 property in a C-class neighborhood. Yeah. You know, the numbers might look a little sexier on, on paper, you know, a higher cash cap rate and higher cash on cash return. But number one, you're going to have a hard time selling that. You yep. probably sell it, sell it at a loss. Yep. You probably have a, a terrible demographic for a tenant. So you're going to have ongoing maintenance and repair costs. And then if you ever did want to sell it because you need to, or you're just frustrated and you want to sell it, you're going to sell it at a loss because there's no retail market or comps to support a higher price. And so you're, 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 you're going to take a long time to sell it and you're going to probably sell it at a loss. And I know that because I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, only speaking from experience here, but it, it's one of those things I always like to challenge people. If you're looking in markets like that, I challenge your mindset on it because the mindset is it makes you feel more comfortable because it's less zeros, less commas. It doesn't mean that it's a good deal just because you may be able to comfortably afford it within your comfort zone of money doesn't mean that it is going to really set you up for success. It could be exactly the opposite and set you up with a a lot of misery and a lot of pain and and heartache. So so I challenge people on that all the time because we see it all the time, you know, and, and it's one of those things we invest in in multi-million dollar properties now out here in San Diego. And it's as long as the numbers make sense, we can always pull it off if we have low risk and we can, you know, actually exit and make a ton of money from it. And the cost, you know, segregation, uh, you know, being able to get the tax benefits and there's just so much to it. And I know in a market like out here, worst case scenario, I can weather the storm and a couple years later, it will always do us well. So keep in mind when you are looking in certain tough demographic areas that it's like, ugh, it's scary. Will I be able to actually exit out of this property when things hit the fan? So um, I do love that. Marco, talk to me. What is the future in hold for you guys? And and what do you think is like, if you had that crystal ball right now, what would you say the market's going to be like in the next year or so? I assume you're talking about real estate specifically. Yeah, yeah please. Mm-hmm. Well, again, you know, there's no such thing as a real estate market when we talk about, you know, real estate and housing. You know, you can generalize and talk about it in terms of, you know, what's going on around the country as a whole. It, it, everything at the end of the day is is very regional and market specific. But in general terms, I'm very bullish on real estate going forward. And there's many reasons for that. But really the biggest reason and the driving reason for that is this. We have a housing shortage. Our yep. demand for housing far outstrips supply. We're producing about 1.1 million housing units per year right now across you know across the country. And we actually need something closer to about 2.3 million units or more. Like it's really more. They, you know, 2.3 is the historical average in terms of the amount of inventory that we need right now. You know, we're sitting on about 1.1 million housing units. And I believe the demand is much higher. So it's like, if you think about it, it's just crazy. And also just to add, if the interest rates do go lower, God forbid, it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be a frenzy. And then it's just going to be a bidding war trying to get you know, these properties and it's going to make it even more crazy and insane. So God knows what the future looks like. Yeah. I mean, again, long-term I'm bullish because 
we lack supply and there's strong demand and that's not going to change overnight. It's probably nope. going to have, you know, go on for the next eight to 10 years. And that puts you in a great position as a real estate investor because that upward pressure on demand is is just going to provide uh, price appreciation because of the supply and demand imbalance. So, you know, forget inflation, forget, you know, this the adjustment there. It's, it's just a good place to be. And, 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 and that flows down right into the uh, rental rates. Like, you know, rents have been going up for years. Now, you know, they've cooled off a little bit. We're not seeing rent price appreciation as as much as we used to see, but it's still there. So yeah, no matter how you slice and dice, this is very bullish for you as a, as a property owner, a real estate investor. If you're on the equity train, great. If you're not on it, you need to get on it. Uh, you should have got on it last year, the year before, the year before that. I mean, you know, you can keep watching it go by, but at yeah. some point you get, you know, get a piece of the action. Yeah, the best time to plant that tree was 20 years ago, right? And and if not yesterday, then today is the best day. So instead of wasting any more time and having, you know, a couple more years go by, do whatever you can to get your feet in the game now because there's just going to be tremendous opportunities and I'm very bullish as well. Yeah, very excited for the future. So, Marco, how can people get a hold of you? I'll answer that question and I'll, I'll kind of leave a closing comment and answer that question. You know, yeah. I often get asked, is it too late to buy or invest in real estate? Sure. And my answer is always the same. It's never too late because it's not a question of when to buy. It's a question of where to buy. There are always opportunities to invest in real estate around the country, always. So it's not always. about when, it's about where. If you know where to invest, you'll always have deals, good deals that makes sense that will provide you cash flow and equity growth in the future and that's you know that's what we're all about it's that's why we do so much research and spend literally thousands and thousands of dollars every single month on data and analytics about uh, real estate and housing and what's going on so we can just stay you know ahead of it and recommend the right places to our investor clients so oh, good. you know musty but you know we're we're here because we're we're busy because we're helping investors but just go to our website at noradarealestate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, noradarealestate.com. And you can reach my team through the contact form there. You know, we've a bunch of people here to help you out, answer questions and connect you to our investment counselor. And I guess, again, there's no cost for obligation. We do everything for free. Love it. Awesome. Well, Marco, I appreciate your time greatly. Had a blast with you today. And I know this was extremely helpful to all the listeners. So guys, make sure that you reach out to Marco. He's a wealth of knowledge, been in the game for far too long to not take advantage of, of this man's knowledge and experience. So thank you again. Appreciate you jumping on today. Um, guys, if you want to get a hold of me, you can always do so on Instagram. It is Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, Actually, check out Credit Council Elite Instagram page. It's brand new. So work with us. Uh, we're starting to build that up and very excited for that. And we'll be giving out some giveaways very soon on that as well. But also on facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. And then if you guys are looking to really understand more about what the heck we're doing at Credit Council Elite, we're showing people how to be able to get up to $500,000 in new funding at 0% interest. That's no exaggeration here, 0% interest up to 24 months. And the good news is you can actually repeat this every six months. Whether you're stuck with bad credit, we can show you how to fix it quickly. Whether you're not at the 800 FICO score club yet, we can show you how to get there in 30 days guaranteed. And then afterwards, business credit, personal credit, being able to actually get up to 500K in the next 30 to 90 days can be life-changing for so many people. So 
you can actually invest in real estate like we have and travel hack and a bunch of other fun things. So by all means, if money is ever the issue to be able to get you to your goals, don't let it be any longer. We'll show you exactly how to get the money from the banks and use OPM to the fullest degree, right? So check out creditcouncilelite.com. That's www.creditcouncilelite.com. And as always, hit that subscribe button to Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast. You'll get that newest notification every Monday. We will see you on the next episode. Leave that five-star review after listening to a few. I appreciate all the love, all the support, and we'll see you on the next episode. Till next time, guys. God bless. Marco, appreciate you. Thanks, Brandon. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.